It's Christmas. It's after Thanksgiving now. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the Friday, it's not Black Friday. It's just the first day of Christmas. That's right. <laughs> One month of Christmas starting now, getting in the spirit with some Santa baby. Oh, dude, this this uh, music is way more crisp than it's sounded in the past. We're you, improving technology here. I did. I All I did was I switched the input to... Oh, instead this of this job into instead like, of over ah, there. Yeah. It's got right, a different right. cable. Sounds so much better now. Hopefully the Zoom also sounds good now. Yeah. Cables matter, apparently. That's right. Well, what's up? How's how's everything going? Oh, dude, I started uh lifting two days ago and I I have regrets. Dude, are you really <laughs> sore? Yeah. Yeah. I actually similarly two days ago I didn't lift, but I did like core for the first time in longer than i want to say and i I did like kettlebell swings yeah and yeah my my thighs are a little more sore than they should be yeah i feel like it's so much different than starting like track workouts because after the first track at workout of the season like you're kind of sore but like lifting is a whole nother monster yeah it's like i mean you basically tear the muscle in half and yeah it's brutal so how, how's the training going running outside of lifting? Um, running is good. It's been a lot of treadmill miles because yeah. I've been being a little soft. Yeah. But today today and tomorrow are really nice out. So I'm going to go out for some real miles. Yeah. it's I, I know it's sad when it's like 30 and I, I want to just run on the treadmill. But then I'm like, well, it's going to get down to zero. So I better get yeah. used to the 30 yeah. at this point. <laughs> well, and, yeah. And I always uh, like keep forgetting to bring my watch down half because i'm just like oh well, like yeah. i get the distance on the treadmill right and then i i just have like no idea what my weekly mileage is right now because <laughs> like 80 percent of my runs like i i just forget yeah <laughs> well today we have an exciting one at least we think it's going to be exciting we're recording this intro right before talking my, to ben true my hot take is ben true is one of if not the most underrated professional runner right now. I think well, he definitely, like people who are familiar with him, I think give him some good credit and For sure. call him the blue collar runner, whatever. But I think a lot of people don't give him credit because he isn't like a social media guy, really. Yeah, and so, so people just like, I, I would say a lot of younger people probably aren't aware of who he is unless yeah. they're like following the sport closely over the past 10 years and, you know, seeing his name continually pop up near the top of all U.S. championships, right. so on and so forth. But yeah, he's uh he's gonna be fun to talk to. We got we got a lot of things to hit on here. Listeners submitted some great questions over on Instagram too. I have all those plugged in here. Some of them are kind of outlandish. We'll see what we we'll some, see. We got some creative ones. Yeah, we got some creative ones. We'll see uh how he answers some of these. But yeah, we definitely need to ask about the whole like eat a whole sleeve of bagels before races, eat six of them. His his whole like anti-doping uh stance where he's like, I won't even take you know vitamins or anything anything that could potentially help me because that's just like i mean might as well i mean that's kind of what you got to do it's it's he's a smart man he's a dedicated man very driven pretty ba that he also trains has trained solo for so many years of his career as well yeah the, like the vast majority. the vast majority so motivation self-motivating man yeah we're excited to talk to him about that and uh coming off nyc his first marathon as well see where his head's at going into the next few years yeah we got to thank our newest Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash beer mile. I actually can't remember who's new since the last time we recorded. So we'll just kind of list off the top few here. So shout out Susan May. I know that's not your real name, but Susan May, Pat Myers, Brett oh, Stevens. Is that an alter ego? It, it's uh, when you look at the spreadsheet version for their shipping address, mm-hmm. uh, it's not. Oh, okay, okay. It's okay. something else. 
um, Zach, just Zach, uh, straight up Zach, John, uh, Groton House, House. yeah, Emily Don Levy, Michael. Okay, I think we've I think we've said these people before that are down here. So thank you all for supporting. We got a couple different options there. We got the Bud Light, the Bud Heavy, the Bud Ice tiers. And the bigger the tier, the more you get. And might as well flash here for the people watching the video. Uh, got these dope uh, custom bottle openers uh, that are. Everybody op- needs a bottle. Everyone opener. needs a bottle opener. These are only for patrons. Only going to those that are the butt ice tier because it's part of the big gift. We're still waiting on one more thing from the big gift. The koozies are not yet in yet. Hopefully this week, and then we'll get the big gift shipped out. But everyone who's in the Bud Light or the Bud Heavy tier should be getting their cards in the mail basically now so hopefully Dude, hopefully you enjoy a handwritten note those, from us those some, cards some are kind stickers, of a, those some, are a grind yeah yeah um, so thank but but, but we, we want to give a special message to each person because we yeah. really do appreciate you all being here yeah it is it is really fun to see and like recognize a lot of the names on the on the patreon so you can make the notes a little bit more personalized absolutely and guess what we're dropping on adam doesn't even know this guess what we're dropping on saturday to the patreon oh i, saturday I know at 6 this I know did you this. look yeah oh man so i went back through and so adam and i we have a lot of Holy intro shit. and outro like long sessions so usually the typical format is we'll interview a guest for 90 minutes or hour to 90 minutes and then we'll try to record the intro outro intro outro is like you know 10 minutes in the final version but sometimes that can take us up to an hour and and because of a number of reasons poor chris's wife is always in the in the kitchen like trying to eat yeah she's like all right it's like 8 p.m i haven't eaten dinner yet like finish up so i can cook and And we're just being complete jackasses yeah it's it's a mix of you know having some beers in us uh as well as i think we use all of our brain power on the actual discussion with the guests so we have no brain power left we're trying to come up with something creative and it just turns out poorly so on saturday though we're going to drop the full uncut intro that we tried to record oh, for genevieve and ryan grayson it was the I, it's like up there as far as one of the most fuck ups and that's why i thought it I was mean, a good it's, one it's like go it's like close to an hour right it's close to an hour Jesus. and so i mean i know some people aren't going to want to sit through that but i promise it's freaking hilarious it's, uh if you want to see the struggle that is trying to record a podcast and there, and just all the all the stuff that's like too inappropriate to actually yeah. put and into one, the podcast itself. This one we we were like doing um, we were doing accents, and I, I remember at some point like I I had a little bit too much. Um, I talked a little bit too much to my friend Mary Jane, and uh, <laughs> started forgetting my lines, and my accents started to blend together. Well, that's the worst is when you we record a little bit, and then we're like, ah, like we could we need we some gotta take this somewhere. We need yeah. some inspiration, and then we forget what we recorded previously. So then yes. we're like, are we starting fresh? Are we picking up from where You're we like, left off? We don't know. And it, it's funny in the video that's coming Saturday for the patrons. Uh, at the beginning, I do put in the like the two minute clip that ended up being the final clip oh, because I think it's. You, you, if you watch the whole thing, you'll see that some of those clips come from like right when we started recording. <laughs> right. Some come from the very end. It's, it's like, like 30 I literally later. just piecemealed it from yeah. everywhere, and it's not in a coherent straight line whatsoever. And I think at the end of this one, we were literally just like, "That's probably it, right?" Like, yeah, that's probably enough. Oh, and we also at the end we realized that we weren't even recording on the audio. Remember? Oh God, yeah. So we had to just I had to take the iPhone audio and kind of like do some noise removal and some like different things to make it sound like it was okay enough um for for using for the podcast i think it turned out fine i mean the iphone mic's pretty good but it's just funny that after all that we're like oh we're like, oh, we didn't shit. even record any that's of that one of, that's one of like the very few oopsies that we've had absolutely yeah yeah we yeah actually technology wise we've never we've never failed 
Like, never, that's yeah. the only one I think we've ever failed, failed, but at least we had the backup. Right. We're always prepared. I always double condiment, you know? Always got to be prepared. <laughs> double, double wrap it. <laughs> so today, we got to give a quick shout out to our sponsors that make this podcast happen. I guess sponsor number one, all of you patrons, thank you for supporting the show. Sponsor number two, Manscaped. This is basically like your last call to get your orders in for Christmas time. Yeah, good point. Um, because who knows what shipping times are going to be around the holidays, especially if they use USPS. Can't trust the government. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I keep my I keep my money in the walls. Uh, Cash under the covers and in my safe only. I didn't know that's where we're good with the intro. <laughs> um, so Manscaped, perfect per- gift. Performance package. The great performance gift. package. If you don't know what to get a guy in your life like literally that's the perfect gift i'm actually getting it well actually i hope my dad doesn't listen to this i hope eric yeah i hope my brother doesn't listen uh, to this i'm getting i'm getting, I'm getting one for my dad um because i think he would really appreciate the good smelling stuff he he likes yeah. nice body wash etc and he has been complaining about his razor being super old for quite a while now so i'm like perfect and he I also thought, he's a beard guy so it'll, gonna, it'll work for trimming the beard i thought you're gonna say he was complaining about his balls <laughs> i was like well that's an interesting <laughs> yeah my mom was complaining to me about my dad uh no no um <laughs> so it's a per- literally the performance package is the perfect mix of things that a guy should have that he doesn't typically want to buy for himself oh, it's like yeah. a perfect gift yeah. so use our code beer mile all one word 20 percent off free worldwide shipping get those orders in now at manscaped.com and then our new sponsor this exciting. is an exciting one. Uh, Adam and I are wearing the shirts right now. It's called All World, A L W R L D. It's very trendy. We're no in vowels. The, yeah, we're in the future. There are no vowels in, in the future. Yeah, exactly. So this is a newer company, AllWorld.com. Um, they're all about clean sport, plant-based active wear, sustainable performance wear, and believe it or not, the shirts that we're wearing from recycled, upcycled, uh, natural biodegradable materials. Um, this shirt that Adam is wearing is actually 100% um, on the clean score. It's made of one-of-a-kind seaweed-derived fabric called Sea Cell. I'm wearing seaweed right Dude, now. you're wearing seaweed. That's kind of nuts. 100% That's clean. really trippy. Isn't that it nuts? Fe- it doesn't feel like seaweed. That I know. would probably it be ju- more it, uncomfortable. It feels like your most comfortable active wear you could imagine. Um, it's very... Um, I so I, I one of my treadmill runs I actually did in this shirt and I was a bit worried because I was like, well, it's like really fuzzy and soft. So I, yeah, I thought I was going to sweat a lot, but it's actually like really breathable. Right, right. I'm totally with you. I can wear it for and it doesn't really show the sweat that much either. Yeah, so it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty absorbent. Yeah. So the all world has um, a clean score that they assign to all of their garments and it's they add up the percent of recycled, upcycled, natural, biodegradable materials used in the fabric. Um, and their overall clean score as a company is 81%, uh, working towards being 100% all recycled materials um, well on their way. So my shirt, my long sleeve that I'm wearing here, 95% on the clean score, uh, fabric made from post-consumer water bottles. Oh, interesting. I'm wearing water bottles. Isn't that nuts? They should oh, they should come up with a line of teas that like shows you what the majority of it is made from. Oh, so like this would be man. seaweed, that would be like a water bottle. That's and a, just like that's a really a good idea. like a really simple logo. That's a good idea. There you go, All World. You should uh, hook that up. I actually think that would be sweet. Like advertise on I mean you could still have these versions where it's just the logo for people right. that don't want it, but yeah, have a version that's like this shirt is made from seaweed. Yeah. Like that would be a great marketing tactic. I think so. Absolutely. So All World is giving our listeners 15% off and it's free shipping in the US. Uh, 
15% off everything in the store. Use the code BEERMILE15, BEERMILE15, all one word. That will get you 15% off. Or again, just like Manscaped, probably should get those orders in now for Christmas. Um, and they do have good winter gear. They have good summer gear, indoor workout gear. Oh, the, got, the shorts that they sent were sweet. The shorts are super nice. Great for running. Great for lifting. They look they look good as well so that you can just, I could just wear them in the grocery store. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, totally. Finish a run at the grocery store, right. walk in, look good enough. They've got uh, good athleisure Absolutely. Style. Yeah. So everything, sports bras, yoga pants, tees, long sleeves, quarter zips, uh, sw- joggers, sweatpants, whatever they call them these days. They got it all. So allworld.com, A-L-W-R-L-D.com, beer mile one five is the code. Check it out. Be on, be on the cutting edge. This is their, I think this is their first major collection that they've dropped. And so you might want to get in on this now. Be be the trendy one. Yeah. If you were, if you could have bought the first pair of Nike waffle iron spikes back in the day, just They'd imagine. Probably be worth quite a bit of money. Just imagine. So do some good for the planet, and also just wear the most comfortable activewear that you could find out there on the market. Gang, gang. All right. Here's Ben True. So Ben True, welcome to the Beer Mile Podcast. Uh, it's super stoked oh, to have you, you on. Um, especially coming off of your debut marathon. So maybe that's a good place to start. How are we feeling about New York City? How are you uh, feeling body-wise here a couple weeks uh, after your debut? Yeah, um, I mean, there's quite a few questions there. But uh, <laughs> start with uh, how I'm feeling now. Um, feeling pretty good now. I'm just starting to get back into like the swing of training. Uh, I took uh, 10 days off um, after the marathon of no running, um, and then have slowly start building back. And, um, I'm back to yesterday was my first double run. Um, but back to like 70 miles a week. Um, now, um, I'll probably be back to normal training in another week or so. Um, so I've been a little over what four weeks of transition back. Um, but the body feels good. Um, I don't know. The, the marathon's a weird event where, uh, I finished and sitting around the hotel later that day, uh, sitting on the couch, I would not have thought I ran a marathon. Um, the, like the nervous system didn't have that same fatigue that, uh, like a 5k on the track does. Um, I was still like mentally clear, um, and like energy levels were still pretty high. But as soon as I tried to get up from the couch, <laughs> then uh, my legs would just scream and protest. And uh, and it was all that muscle soreness was, was what was, you know, really. And that took me a few days for that to subside. Um, and then I thought after about four days that, hey, I feel great. I should go for a run. And I went for a run and all that muscle soreness came immediately back. And I was like, maybe I'll ride like a stationary bike for a little bit if I want to spin the legs out as opposed to running. Um, yeah, but it was that, that, uh, almost like going to a gym and like lifting really hard that, that, uh, muscle fatigue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always, <laughs> it's always so surprising the, like at doing the marathon. Cause obviously in training, you know, you're running big volume. You're also doing runs that are basically marathon distance, um, you know, close to it. And then to still have that level of fatigue and like muscle, musculoskeletal soreness, uh, coming out of that. It just seems weird to me that it's it's like, is that much of an impact even when you've been, you know, training so hard to adapt to that, um, over the months leading into it. Yeah. And it's so different than 
say like the 5k on the track where you have this like deep adrenal fatigue and nervous system fatigue. So like you wouldn't, I would, I'd never be able to sleep after a 5k race because my brain would always yep. be racing. Um, and I would have soreness in the legs, but it'd be a different soreness. It'd be like a throbbing soreness at rest. Whereas the, after the marathon, if I'm sitting down, there was no soreness. It was only when I tried to move, um, that that would happen. So completely different beast and how you yeah. feel afterwards. Yeah. I mean, post, post 5k, 10k, I would like running kind of like your cool down. And then the, the next couple of days after, a fast event i feel like that is much more conducive to recovery than running after a marathon <laughs> absolutely yeah 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 <laughs> so, oh, i was just gonna say how did you feel um about pl- being the second american seventh overall 212 i mean was that like kind of roughly what you thought you'd be um you know did you exceed expectations did you miss kind of what you were hoping for how do you how would you rate the performance yeah. Um, I, honestly, I, I was hoping for a little bit more. Um, and it, the way that the race played out, um, I, it was a complete unknown. Um, and so going into the race, there was no nerves or whatever, uh, because I just didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, and once you go in those complete unknowns, there's, you don't even know how you should think on the starting line. And I was like, well, here it goes. Um, but the whole time my coach was saying, leading into it was saying, you have to get through 20 miles feeling relaxed and easy and that you haven't started racing yet. And then he was like, then you will have a few waves of desires to race. And on the first time you feel like you need to race, you, you want to push that back and, and just keep on going. Second time, push that back, keep on going. And only if it comes up the third time and you realize that you're in the last 10 K of the race, are you allowed to feel like you're actually racing? Mm. Um, and so when we started, you know, the first 10 miles, the difference between 455 pace and 505 pace feels the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, am I going too hard? Am I going too easy? I don't know. And so I think I aired too much on the conservative side. Um, and so I was never in that lead pack. Um, and so once I started racing with, you know, five miles to go, uh, I had a lot more to give than I think they said that the fastest final split between 25 or 35 K into the finish Mm -hmm. uh, from anyone in the field. And it just shows like, I definitely didn't race the whole 26.2 miles. I raced the last bit of the, of the race. Um, and I think that was just because I was a little nervous about the event and just wanted to hold myself back. And so I still don't know how hard you can go for that first 20 miles and still be able to handle the end. Um, but I think I can go a lot faster than I did. Um, and so it would have been nice to be, you know, have that extra 30 seconds banked for the first 20 miles, Yeah, you know, and, and I've been able to place quite a bit higher. So that's the little thing I was, you know, kicking myself for. Yeah. I think very, very optimistic outlook. I, you had, um, I forget what podcast, but I, th- I think you have some really interesting thoughts, or at least I, I thought you did on your methodology of like covering moves, um, how you like evaluate whether or not you should. And to me, it seemed like this very different, I feel like it's covered somewhat poorly, um, during the actual race. It's not talked about, even though this is like 
for the elite field, something that the entire race is contingent on. Um, could you talk a little bit around like how you evaluate whether or not you should be covering a move? Or, I mean, for the marathon, I have no idea. Right. right. <laughs> but for, for shorter distance races, I have a little better idea about that. Um, and I actually never race with a watch on and never look at splits. Um, I'm somebody who likes to run hundred percent by feel and by mm-hmm. competitors. The marathon in New York was the first time I actually raced with a watch and actually was checking splits every now and then, um, just so that I could hold myself back. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have different, every race is different of, of, of how I approach it and how the, the mental energy goes into it. Um, but a lot of times each race, I will pick a point of the race that says I have to be with the leaders in the front of the race at this point for me to have a shot at the win. And then another point of in my head, if I'm with the leaders at this point of the race, I have strong confidence that I will win overall. So like in a 10 K the first goal is be at 8K with the leaders, right? And so, you know, I don't think about 10K of distance. I think about race 8K, make sure I'm in the position I want to be in 8K. And then the real racing takes like the, the lizard brain in your head, the real <laughs> racing takes over for those last 2K to get you through the finish line. And, and I figure that if I'm with the people, then then I have a very good shot of getting by them at the, in the last uh, few meters of the race. Um, but like, that's kind of how I think it through. Um, there's always the, uh, I call them like the angel and the devil on your shoulders. Um, and you have this like internal dialogue and you always have that thought in your head of like, all right, go now. Um, and I don't, I can't really explain where that comes from. It's just like that feeling of I'm feeling good right now. I should race. Um, or it's the, you know, I see a move happening and it's like now or never. Um, and being aware of that, as, as I was talking about earlier, my coach Ray was like, when that little guy on your shoulder says go in the marathon, you don't listen to him the first few <laughs> times. Yep. Uh, but in short distance racing, you have to listen to that right away and you can't second guess because as soon as you second guess that little, the little guy on your shoulder, um, most of those moves have been made and, and now you're trying to move up to it. Um, so it's learning how to interpret that and learning how to, I don't know, I don't know what, what the best way of, of describing it is, but not having confidence in that because that is your subconscious basically being like, all right, I'm assessing my body. Mm -hmm. I'm okay to go now. Um, and it's usually when you listen to that little guy in your shoulder, most of the time the race plays out very, very well for you. Um, but the times when you second guess that Mm -hmm. guy on your shoulder, the inner, inner dialogue, uh, a lot of times that's when you, finish races and you have all these, you know, what ifs and I should have and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, that is uh that's a good way to look at it. I've never really thought about the, yeah, the sub, like the, the voice in your head, the subconscious piece of it, but it is interesting. Like you're saying the, the marathon is such a different beast in that you, like if you, 
get too excited too early. Like there's the room for screwing up is so high versus like a 5k or 10k. Like if you get out too hot and you're, you know, you've been putting in the work, like you're going to still hang on to a pretty solid time. Like you can't totally destroy your, like completely destroy your uh, time, but marathon, you can, you know, add up several minutes in the back half. If you're really, uh, going out way too hard as as someone who's blown up in my fair share of marathons <laughs> going for a way faster time than I should be going for um it's very easy to do so as much as uh you know like come I think it's probably a good play at least from my perspective it seems like it's a good place to be to have finished the debut have that under your belt and like knowing that there's more to give versus the reverse of maybe going out way way too hard and maybe it would have worked but also the reverse being you could have you know faded and had a really bad taste in your mouth about the marathon overall um going forward so i guess uh from two questions from that one why why was new york the choice uh for your debut and then uh going forward then what what are you thinking about for your next marathon yeah um so why New York? I mean, there's multiple reasons why New York. Um, but one of the, one of the big ones was, um, I wanted to do a world marathon major. And so that, you know, narrowed it down. Um, and then especially for my first marathon, I didn't want a race that was paced, um, just because I didn't want to have to deal with that. And, I just wanted to be a race that was competition only. Um, I like that style of racing a lot more, um, especially for like the longer distance stuff. And so in reality, that brings it down to New York or Boston. Um, And I don't know, New York, um, with it being rolling up and downs, um, I thought it would suit me very well, as opposed to Boston, which is like all down, all up, all down, Um, which I also think would do all right with, but like I wanted that rolling from the first one. Um, and I've had a lot of success in New York, um, and the New York Roadrunners have always treated me very well and I've always, you know, enjoyed all the races I've done with them. Um, and so it, it was easy to travel to, um, yeah. and yep. seemed like the right one. I actually wanted to do it last year, um, and had, you know, all signed up, had, had a contract with them to race it. Um, and unfortunately wasn't able to race because of COVID. Yep. Um, and so because of that, I wanted to make sure, even though that now Boston was also in the fall. And so like, it could have been a competitor. Um, I kind of wanted to stick with New York because that was originally my, my plan all along. Yep. So, yeah. And then, so a new, another marathon coming in 2022 or, uh, back to yeah, shorter races? I think so. I think, I think definitely, I, who knows if it'll be a spring or a fall. Okay. Um, we'll see, we'll see how I feel in the body, you know, gets back into the training and whether or not I want to do a spring track at all. Um, I, I think if I do Boston, it'd be very hard for me to come back off of Boston and do any sort of track racing. Right. Um, and so it's whether or not I want one more track season or if I'm going full on to roads and, and, uh, marathons. So that's to be determined. <laughs> I think, um, post uh nyc half uh the year that you won you did an interview and said uh like no marathon plans which obviously like it takes a couple years to get to the point where you're moving up in distance but what has really um been attractive to you about the marathon leading into this season as well as well as post new york uh city performance yeah um i mean 
for me growing up, um, one, I got into running cause, uh, my dad was training for trying to qualify for, and then qualifying for the hundredth running of the Boston marathon. Yeah. And so the marathon was always seen as like what runners did. Right. right. And, and if you, that's still like for the general public, if you were to ask what running is, everybody would say marathoning. Right. And so like working at a running store in high school and college, you know, people would ask me what a marathon time was. And I'd be like, well, I, I actually run the mile. I don't do the marathon. They'd be like, well, maybe someday you'll be good enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, like getting that all the time. Um, and then <clears throat> training, just, you know, running long, long runs and being like, Oh, it'd be really, it'd be really fun to try to get out a good marathon. Um, and so, you know, it's always in the back of your head, right? It's always right, in the back right. of your head. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that I did what I wanted to do on the shorter distance stuff before going to the marathon too soon. Cause I've seen a lot of people go to the marathon very early and then they lose too much of their leg speed, um, to be able to come back. Granted, that's not everybody, but a, a lot of people do that. Um, and so I just was a little scared that my shorter distance racing would suffer if I went to the marathon too early. Um, and so I just get, kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And I finally was like, well, might as well, might as well do one and <laughs> see how it goes. So that's basically how it was. And I really enjoyed the training for it. Um, the last few years, my body has taken real beating for the shorter distance racing stuff. Um, I've had a lot of real chronic fatigue. I think it's just, um, adrenal gland fatigue from yeah. running so much 5k pace work. Um, and especially doing it solo so that I don't, I can't even shut my brain off. I have to like right. stay very motivated to be able to, the time. yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the body would just be beat up from it from so much stuff on the track and in spikes um i i there's <clears throat> up until this you know last build up to the marathon i don't think there was any time longer than maybe a week where i could wake up in the morning and walk down my stairs um because everything would be so sore and tight um i would just be hobbling <laughs> yeah. around um and that all that chronic fatigue and pain <laughs> like kind of starts wearing at you a, a lot um and so i was kind of getting tired of that shorter distance stuff and then moving to the marathon it's it was unreal how good my body felt um i was running more miles but everything was slower paced Mm -hmm. Um, and I could in the middle of 130 mile, you know, week training week, I could bound up the stairs. I could, you know, <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night and walk to the bathroom to pee and have no soreness. And it's just yeah. like, wow, this, this, you can actually do this and not, not <laughs> right. be sore all the time and not be in pain all the time. And so I think that's really made me look more towards, well, maybe the body, especially at my age now likes that longer stuff more. Um, and it definitely how I feel doing it makes me feel like, you know, I can still do it as opposed to forcing myself to like keep beating your head against the back of the pain locker to like, right. do that shorter stuff. Yeah. Has, has that changed, um, your, your thoughts on like your own longevity as a professional runner? Like, do you think it's 
extended because of how good marathon training feels? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I think it's a combination of that and now having training partners um, yeah. and starting this new club and having Dan Kurtz and Fred Huxham here. Uh, we're looking also to grow that and have more athletes. Um, and that's definitely helped. Um, the burnout was real training solo for as many years as I did. Um, and so trying to, you know, get more people running together and, and working together. It's, it's definitely re-energized and rejuvenated. Uh, and it made me think that, that they are, I can still run for years and there's still things I can do as opposed to dreading it. Like I kind of had been doing <laughs> for sure. Shout, shout out Iowa state, Dan Kurtz. Yeah, Iowa yeah. State yeah, we, yeah, we both went yeah. to Iowa state as well. Um, oh, nice. man, I, just, I was just thinking like, man said, said no one ever, I feel better doing 130 miles yeah, a week than, <laughs> than less, less mileage. Who knew that for me to stop being sore, I just had to start running more miles and Chill out, exactly. chill out on the track work a little bit. Do you think bit, there's you know? any correlation between that and, and your time as a cross-country skier? Which, which part? Uh, the, just like the, the longevity or, or your body adapting more towards like the high volume uh, workouts. I don't know about that. I think it helps my longevity um, mm. because I wasn't a specialized runner for so long in my career. Um until I graduated from college is when I stopped skiing competitively. Um, I think that definitely helped. Um, mm -hmm. I think that helped build a stronger aerobic base. And I think it also helped my body handle running later in like, having a longer career. Yeah. Um, so when I was going to looking at colleges, it was down to two, it was down to Stanford and down to Dartmouth. And obviously if I went to Stanford, there'd be no skiing. And if I went to Dartmouth, they would allow me to do both. Um, and part of me regrets not going to Stanford only because I know without question that I would have run faster in college. Cause I didn't run very fast in college and I would have run faster. I think in the first five years post collegiately as well. Um, because I probably would have been able to come out with a contract that would have been able to come out mm -hmm. and be in a bigger training group. Uh, but I really don't think I would still be running if I took running that seriously in college. Um, and instead going the, the ski route, um, I think that's allowed me to keep running now. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're, you brought up, you know, not uh, joining a group, uh, you know, early on, I really, you spent a lot of your career training solo. Now you have, uh, Dan and Fred and building a group there, but what talk a little bit, and I know you've talked about this before on other podcasts as well, but, uh, you know, the philosophy or the decision to like stick to your roots, stick to home, not join one of these groups, uh, you know, joining a Bowerman or, um, any of these other, other teams and deciding to kind of go solo and then, um, you know, eventually though, getting, getting Dan, to come on board and even offering up some, some money for him to come train with you and, and get a training partner to come out. So talk, talk through that decision process. Yeah. I mean, so I'll go back from the very start. When I left college, I, um, that was right when Bowerman started, they weren't calling themselves Bowerman obviously, but that was yeah. when, uh, Jerry was starting a group. And I tried to go to that group, but he didn't see any value in me. So he said, okay. no. And so then I went to, um, Oregon track club in Eugene, mm -hmm. um, because they were one of the only ones that were looking, um, at me and 
Frank Dagoviano, who was the old coach to them, basically called me up and said, you're going to Oregon Track Club in Eugene. It wasn't a, do you want to, you know, should you? I, he's like, no, you're doing this. And um, so I did. Um, and I thought that that type of training environment and that type of group, getting that support, um, I'd be foolish not to do it. And that's where you had to go to run fast. And I realized fairly early on when I was out there that it just wasn't for me. Um, I enjoyed my training partners. Um, I really met a lot of great people, um, but that environment um, and that style of training group just wasn't what I wanted. And I ran horribly for them. And so I made a decision that I was going to come back East. I had no other plans, but um, I wanted to keep running, but I knew that it wasn't going to happen to Eugene. So I decided to just strike it off on my own and, and come back home. <clears throat> and it just happened, fortune has happened that they, um, Tim Bro, um, who is, you know, a former runner, um, started a group or was the coach of a new group that was formed in Hanover, New Hampshire. And I was like, well, this is perfect. I'll go yeah. do that. Um, and so I joined that and that was called In the Arena. Um, but in the arena didn't really materialize the way that the founder of it wanted it to. And so it shut down after a year or 18 months. Um, and so then I was from then on out by myself, um, in, in Hanover, but I realized that the number one thing is that I need to be happy wherever I am mm -hmm. outside of running. And I want to be in an environment in a place where I enjoy being outside of running. Um, and is the most important thing. Um, it's not to force yourself into a place that you don't actually like or an environment you don't actually like, because people say that you have to be there to run well that usually leads to resentment and you never being able to reach your potential of being able to put all your energy into it. Um, I'd much rather be in a position where I enjoy living and being, and then it might take a little bit more work for me to train the way I need to. Um, but I'll be happier doing it that way. And if you're happy doing what you're doing, you're going to be able to put more of your passion, more of your energy towards it and hopefully get better. Um, and so that's the route I decided to go and, um, had been training here ever since, uh, I had, there was a time when I was able to convince Sam Chalanga, um, to come yep. train with me, um, uh, which was fabulous for me. We, we, uh, trained very well together. We both ran some good times while we were training together. Um, and then he <laughs> left for a Nike coach and then I was on my own again until Dan Kurtz came around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one, one thought that came to mind building on this longevity of, you know, cross country skiing and you not basically for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, destroying your legs, using up your legs early on because of the cross country skiing. Do you think that training solo for the, the all the time that you did helped you as well because you weren't, I guess, racing workouts? Did it help you in that regard? Or are you someone who even running solo, uh, maybe that forces you to push even harder in, in workouts? How, how do you, I guess, how, training, training solo all this time? Yeah. How do you uh, handle yeah. that? So there's definitely positives and negatives. Um, and number one positive is on your easy days, you can go as easy as right. you want. You can go completely how your body wants you to run 
you don't have to run. Usually when you're in a group, there's always going to be somebody that feels good. Exactly. Day, right. And so the pace may be faster than what you really should be running for your easy recovery day. Um, and by training by myself, that was never an issue. Um, the other thing is threshold workouts. Um, threshold workouts are really supposed to be individualized on um, it's not really a pace. It's that feeling yeah. um, is how the best way I describe it. Mm -hmm. And you go and you hit that feeling and you just ride that line. Um, and it's too easy when you're training in a group to, again, have somebody feel good and maybe push that. And so you're not actually running that threshold. You're running slightly above it. Yep. Um, and then the recovery time is more. And so you're, you're, you're having a, if you go too hard there and you're not getting the right stimulus, you're not planning for the same amount of recovery. And so it kind of throws everything off. And, and so the, the beauty of that threshold stuff is that you can do a lot of it um, because it doesn't take a lot of recovery from it. As long as you don't go too hard. As long as it's actually it. a threshold run. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so that's another beauty of, of yeah. running by yourself. Um, the downsides is anytime you're running fast, it's a whole lot easier to run with other people. And anytime Definitely. you're trying to run pace and anytime when you're trying to do those like longer grinding, faster stuff. So like, k's at race pace right mm -hmm. like those would be the worst solo because yeah. you would get through 600 and you're tired <laughs> and then you still have 400 meters yep, to go yep. um and so that when you're training with people makes life so much easier and also <clears throat> i would always be somebody that could get out the door once a day without issue to run because i knew like this is my job this is what i need to do right getting out the door once is always always easy getting out the door the second time after you're tired, it could be in the wintertime now where it's dark. Yep. That was always a hard one. Um, and to just having somebody to meet up for, for those makes it a lot easier. If I, if I know I'm meeting somebody at six o'clock here, I'll be there. It's, an, obli it's an obligation. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But if, if there's no meet point, then maybe I'll do my second run finally on the treadmill at 9 p.m. because right. I just, you know, kept pushing a bit, right? And so, yep, like, yep. There, there's that aspect as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you've you've said that you've uh, paid Dan Kurtz, like, $20,000 to, to come train with you and, uh, you know, help him kickstart, you know, his uh, career and kind of his, like, continue on the dream of, you know, getting into the professional ranks himself, which is really cool. Um, so, with that, though, I'm really curious when you – were without a sponsor, um, you know, but after you weren't no longer with Saucony and then you just recently, uh, were signed with, with ASICS right before the New York city marathon. I mean, how, like financially, how did, how did everything work for, you know, being completely unsponsored as well as, um, you know, having someone that you're paying to be a training partner with you? Like how, how did all that work economically? Sorry to interrupt this exciting program, but quick plug to the couple of sponsors that keep this thing going. Manscaped, head to manscaped.com, use code BEERMILE for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Get those holiday packages ordered now. Get your holiday packages for your package. Exactly. And then our other sponsor, AllWorld, A-L-W-R-L-D.com, the leader in clean sport, 
sustainable activewear, eco-friendly, head over to their website and use code BEERMILE15, that's all one word, for 15% off everything in the store. And that is also free domestic shipping. I mean, this is really good reminders just because I always am so late to buying Christmas presents. Exactly. Go buy your people their gifts. You it's know? so simple. Anyone who's an athlete or anyone who's just a, a guy being a guy, they're going to benefit from Manscaped and All World, our two sponsors, perfect Ooh. holiday gifts. Make sure you're checking those out. Thanks to the support. And if you want ad-free versions of our podcast, as well as exclusive content behind the scenes, other giveaways, a bunch so of other shenanigans, a so, bunch of other literally crap, so much shit. Head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash beer mile. And you can have access to all of that. Plus get some free gifts uh, sent from Adam and I get access to our discord, all that good stuff by joining us on Patreon. Now back to Ben Drew. How did all that work economically? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have been always lucky in by the end of my time with Stockany that I was able to put away some money. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yes, when Stockany um, decided not to renew my contract, uh, it then became very difficult because I had zero money coming in and only money going out. Um, but I had budgeted paying him that ahead of time. And so that was fine still for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was not once, once I lost the stock deal, I, I knew that I would not be able to continue paying him or bringing somebody else on right. in the future because that would be not, um, able, but, um, yeah. So, yeah, for for most of uh, 2021, I was been in the red. Um, but luckily, yeah. luckily, years past, I've been in the black enough that <laughs> I was uh, I'm still able to keep the head above water. For sure, and and Saucony has, and I don't I don't know what you're willing and able to share here, but it looks seems like Saucony's been kind of dropping a lot of talented athletes, or I guess I don't dropping, not re-signing, you know, call it what you will, but like Molly Seidel switched sponsors, Noah Drati, um, you know, you no longer with Saucony. Is that just them not putting marketing dollars budget towards professional athletes like they had in the past or are they um, looking to like refresh or yeah. Like what, what are they, what are they looking for? Looking for younger talent only, I guess. uh, Yeah. Like what, what, what led to that happening? I don't really know. Um, I know that they be, they was a, uh, new person in charge of, um, sports marketing and dealing with the athletes. And I think, uh, they had a different view on first off, um, they admitted to us that they weren't sure the actual purpose of professional athletes within soccer's portfolio. Um, and then later on decided that there was some value to them. Um, but I think they were saying, I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. It's, it's if you're Saucony is the, what is it? The smallest of the major yeah. two mm-hmm. brands. Um, and they're trying to, at least this is what I was told before I left. So and I have no idea what's going on in the company. Right. Um, but before then they're really trying to push and to grow and they saw their best way of growing is to, um, move towards the Dick sporting goods and the, mm. 
um, Kohl's type marketplace. So outside of the run specialty stores, right. um, because you can sell much higher volume to in, in those okay. stores. Yep. Um, and so if that's their strategy, someone like me, does a, a buyer at Dick's Sporting Goods really know who I am? Probably not, right? right they right. know that I'm a runner, but they could find somebody who's a a 220 marathoner um, who the Dick's Sporting Goods person, assuming they're not, you know, an avid runner themselves, they're just a hobby jogger or a sports person. Um, they know that a 220 marathon is fast and they're probably at a level of fastness that is incomprehensible to mm-hmm. that person buying from the Dick's Sporting Goods. And so the difference between a 220 marathon and someone like me or somebody even faster than me in the marathon, they don't really understand that difference, right? They yeah, just see fast yeah. as fast. And so that 220 marathon is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. And if that 220 marathoner has a great Instagram following, then they probably get a better ROI for, yeah, you know, for money. getting eyeballs yeah. on the product. And yeah. so it's a different it's shifting what sports marketing is and you can't really fault them for that because they're looking at metrics Mm -hmm. and the old system of sports marketing, the metrics are very fuzzy. It's really hard to say, Hey, as a shoe company, I'm giving you X dollars. How many shoes are you directly responsible on and having people buy? Right. You can't find that. But if you look at somebody's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you can see, all right, at least we know that this many people are having eyeballs yep. on the product. And that alone can be valuable because more people looking at a product, the more people they think about the product. Um, and you can have click-throughs and actually see sales. Um, and so there's metrics on things that weren't previously available. And so anytime you go from, well, this new technology, you can have some metrics, this old technology, you have zero metrics, people are going to focus on the metrics. Um, And so I think you're seeing that in the broader scheme of not just sports marketing, but all marketing, right? Mm -hmm. The the amount of the rise of influencer is huge because companies can actually see there's attribution. And and, yes, Um, whether or not getting 10,000 views of a shoe for somebody actually means any of those 10,000 people buy that shoe, right? Right? They, they still don't know that, yeah. but they can be like, at least there's eyeballs on it. And yeah. so they can, and so I think that's the, the situation that all marketing is, especially sports marketing. Um, and Saucony, I think, decided to go that way with their, their new person in charge. Their new person has since left that position. So I don't know if they're going to change back or what their mm-hmm. new strategy will be. Um, but they made a few big shakeups in the meantime. Um, sure. so, so sounds yeah. like you just need to get on the, the TikTok game and the Insta reel. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it totally makes sense when you describe it like that. It yeah. just seems, uh, it just seems like such a lost opportunity. I mean, you know, especially Molly Seidel, like bl- absolutely blowing up. And then, you know, you're still yeah. running, you're fourth at the Olympic trials. You're running, still running PRs in the 10 K like, I, from a perf- anyone who's actually into running as a performance standpoint, I mean, especially because Sockney has actually put up some good comparable shoes to, to Nike's mm-hmm. Vaporflies now. So it's like, well, if, if you want to see the best runners running in those shoes, that 
to me, it, coming from the running world lens, of course, would drive yeah. more runners to be like, oh, I want to try the Saucony shoe because Molly Seidel just got third in the Olympics in it. I'm going to go for that shoe and right. give it a go. You know, it seems like that would drive more sales to me. Um, well, maybe not more sales. It would drive more of that high-end performance type sale right. versus, right. yeah, like your Coles or Dicks, which might move hundreds and hundreds of pairs to, to as walking shoes or to the to the hobby exactly. jogger, which right. is a little bit As opposed to, what is it, like Fleet Feet is probably like the largest chain of specialty yep. run stores, right? right? And, and I'm sure their shoe sales are a tenth of what Dick's Sporting Goods yeah. sells, yeah. right? And so, yeah. you know, you have to... <laughs> yep. Yeah. One one thing I wanted to go back to was uh, so you you mentioned like your legs being sore and and like marathon training actually kind of being a good change up from that. Um, but still in 2021, set a PR in the 10K, got fourth at the Olympic trials in the 10K. So it seems like things kind of re- went really well um, on all on all regards. There, I mean, obviously, you'd probably you would have loved to have gotten third and, and made the Olympic team. But with that in mind. Uh, do you see that, like, is that still even a possibility in your mind in kind of based on how training goes of this next, these next couple of years, maybe 10 K is the race for you. Um, and then, you know, looking ahead, I think ASICS is sponsoring you through 2023. So then looking, I'm assuming 2024 is still on your mind as far as trying to make that Olympic team. Um, and, and really, I guess, yeah, you got kind of two options, 10 K or marathon, um, so is it, is it over these next couple of years, just kind of seeing where the training goes, seeing how your body responds and, and using that to make the ultimate decision for 2024? Yeah, I think so. And I, and I mean, th- there's a few pieces of that question that I'd like to pick apart. Um, but yeah, um, I think the 10 K is definitely a possibility. The training leading into when I ran, um, the faster time went great. Um, I had a few injury setbacks that made it so that telling the line at the trials, it was going to be more of a, I hope I run and able to close fast um, and and make the team as opposed to I was in the same shape. I was a few months earlier before, before injuries. Um, And so um, I think there is still more I could give on on the track as well. I think the bigger question is, do I want to? Um, right, right. And, um, and that, that'll be the thing. The, the roads are considerably more fun. Okay. Yeah. The track. yeah. Um, and there's something so cool and almost romantic about the sense that you have thousands, if not tens of thousands of people towing the same starting line yep. and yep. trying to go the same course to the same finish line. And you, you say, ready, set, go. And everybody tries to get to the finish line first. For sure. And there's something really cool about that and that community of all those runners, as opposed to the track, you are so separated from the fans and other participants. I mean, even like, you know, a Diamond League 5K has 12 people, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't even really even watch the other events going on in the Diamond League because you're warming up or you're in the call room or you're, you know, and so... It, you don't have that same feeling and sensation. You're more feeling like you're just a, um, a, uh, entertainer or like a gladiator that is just <laughs> trying to do for this very short period of time, entertain yeah. the crowd. Um, whereas the road race has a completely different feel to it. And, and I really like that road race feel for sure. Um, and so, 
that that's another question is do i even want to go back to the track and yeah and as far as thinking way out to say the olympics um i think the longer i'm in the the sport the less of a desire or the less of a not desire is not the right word um the less that the olympics appeals to me not that i would never turn down try, right yeah, right yeah. yeah but it the more it sees like growing up the olympics is seen as the pinnacle of sport mm-hmm. um but the more you're actually in a sport any of the sports you realize that while the olympics may be the best chance for the world to have eyeballs on you it is not the pinnacle of the sport of right. any sport right. right every sport out there their world championships or their different tournaments Mm -hmm. have more notoriety within the community. Um, and, and only it's the corporate sponsors that make the Olympics anything worthwhile. Um, and so that's not to say that I would not, I would love to be able to run in the Olympics, but the less of that importance is the longer I'm in. I think that's really obvious when it, especially when it comes to the marathon, because there's much more opportunity to get that world class caliber because you're, you're all running. I mean, if, if you're a pro marathoner, you're probably not dropping down. Most people aren't dropping down to, to race on the track. Right. You almost have, you almost have a marathon every few months with the world marathon majors. You have so many opportunities and, and those do attract the eyeballs like similar. I mean, maybe not, not at this quite at the same level of the Olympics, but there's still that same level of, um, notoriety and competition and, and all of that. And, and um, most of the top marathoners just like the NBA, not to the same extent, but like to the NBA players, like, yeah. there's a whole lot more money if you don't go to the Olympics, right? right? That exactly. You, that you can make, which and is so you very actually have to take a unique. pay cut to, to yes. Yes. Yeah. The whole, the whole business thing is weird. We've talked about this with several guests where it's like you, if you make the Olympic team, you can come out the backside with potentially, you know, getting a, a much better sponsor, or a better deal because you made the Olympic team. But, but the actual like year of the Olympics itself, you're basically not earning any money. You're, you're forgoing the opportunities uh, right. um, on the road and track and all of that too. So yeah, it's such a weird dynamic where it's like yeah. the Olympics are kind of incentivized long-term, I guess more so if you're early in your career. Um, but then yeah, the, the actual Olympics themselves don't pay pay you anything. It's not like a big payday to, to make the Olympic team. So, um, yeah, it, it's yeah such a wild thing. And, and also to your point on the roads, too, what's so nice is that it's every road race is different, different course, different competition, different uh, layout where track is. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the, the same 25 laps around the oval. Um, what you know, you get to go to different cool places and race yeah. different people, but yeah, it yeah. is, it is a, l- a lot more of the same week in, week out. And for that reason also seems a little bit less exciting to Monotonous. watch week in and week out too, just because yeah. it, it's much of the same thing over and over again. So then it just becomes right. all about times, which is not as much fun. Um, and, and I think you've talked about this too, like co- the competitive nature of it and winning races and all that, that's, what's really the fun part of it. Not just chasing a clock around the track. And, and so many yeah. people, I guess, worry about that more than they worry about, uh, winning races. Now it, it's all, all, all times and stacking up compared right. to everybody else. Right. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm- and another thing going back to like, especially in the marathon, um, compared to like the Olympics is you can have a marathon where the top, 10 world best marathoners 
are racing. Yeah. You can never have an Olympic Games right. where the top 10 in the world are on the starting exactly. line because the country rules. And yep. so it's it's also it's also an interesting dynamic where and, you, and may you have, can also I feel like the chances of you like the competition being very good and like actually performing well on that day are just as high outside of the Olympics. Definitely. I mean, cause yeah. certainly, I mean, Tokyo is a prime example of like harder conditions. There are plenty of marathons that saw better conditions in the past year. For right. sure. Right. For sure. Um, uh, going, uh, one thing we didn't bring up when we're, when we were talking about the New York city marathon too, was that you, uh, became a father as well. Yeah. Um, leading into that. Yeah. So how did that m- mess with or you know i help help the training cycle i don't know how, how did that play into your uh lead up to new york city yeah i definitely uh changed things a little bit and made things a little more hectic in the house um uh, for sure but uh i think overall it's been it's been good uh, my wife's been a complete rock star um through it all so she very much realized how much importance were um leading into new york city so um we have actually, I'm, I'm in it right now, our guest room. Um, and so she actually moved to our guest room with Hawk. And so I would be able to sleep uh, uninterrupted um, okay. feeding into it. Um, but, you know, in the middle of the day, <clears throat> there's so, it's, it's interesting of like before training, uh, before a child, you run and you just lounge the rest of the day and you, know, right. you can turn your brain off and, and you can just basically do nothing. Now with a kid, you can't. And yep, so yep. you are like constantly doing things throughout the day as well. And so that's been a big transition because I just haven't had the time to just completely like zone out and turn off Yeah. Um, in the middle of the day that I normally would be able to do in between workouts. Um, instead, you have to kind of stay engaged. So lot less naps than than previous times yep. um assuming more and, more uh, coffee then <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but well, no it's been nice it's it's uh definitely definitely a change <laughs> yeah no that's exciting and hey even just more room for improvement in future marathons too as hopefully uh yeah. that sleeping gets a little more consistent and maybe you can yep. introduce those naps back in <laughs> exactly exactly awesome to, to close out here we have some listener questions as well oh, some, right. some of these are off the wall um some of them are some of them we already answered so we'll, we'll skip those but uh what's what's the deal with eating a whole sleeve of bagels the day of the race like how how can you take in that many carbs in in one sitting uh you know just a few hours before a race yeah so that started very early on in my career and and a sleeve as in like six bagels, six right yep, not like yep. not like a baker's dozen right bagels, correct right? correct um yeah um, <laughs> it's only and, six it's not that many <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so i had always i always wake up four hours before the race um uh, for these typically for morning races um and so i try to be done eating as close to four hours before the race as possible because that's roughly the amount of time it takes to digest the food out of your stomach and into your intestines. And so you won't have that same stomach issues. Um, and I don't know, I just started eating and I think the idea was to, if you have, it's better to fill your stomach completely than just to, you know, half fill your stomach. 
And so then if it's half full, then it'd be like swashing around. But if it's actually like fully full, then you don't have any issue. Um, that's completely not true. But that was a, a, a thought process of mine early on. Um, but also I just am somebody that is a heavy carb burner. And so mm-hmm. um, if I don't eat what some call an obscene amount of food before before I race, um, I will feel depowered in the race. I can actually feel that depowering. Um, and I'm not someone who likes to drink a lot of sports drinks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I really just drink water, um, and, and coffee in the morning before a race. And so all my caloric needs are basically coming in those bagels. Um, and I have, I will say as I've aged, I do not eat as many bagels. I think, um, the last morning race where I ate a lot of bagels was the 20 K championships, um, in September. And I think I had four and a half bagels. So I was a full bagel less than than normal. How many at NYC then for the marathon? Did you get six? So I didn't have any bagel. No, No, that's not true. I think I had one bagel, but I had, um, I had rice, and eggs and oh. oatmeal and peanut butter. Cause they had a whole like breakfast. I see. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. So, so I diversified my diet. Okay. And, and then are these yeah. bagels normally just plain or are you, are you putting peanut butter or something on them? Um, I usually have like one with peanut butter and okay. then the other ones were plain. So then the rest the, are just the, for utility. Do you, do you yeah. still toast yeah. them? <laughs> no, no. Oh, they're cold. So just the, the straight out of the bag. The goal is to have at least one and a half done before you start waking up. Okay. So like, okay. you know, like right next to the bed, the alarm goes off and you just throw <laughs> one down. Then you, then you start eating the other one. Then like you get groggy, you wake up and then, then you might have the one with the peanut butter that you can actually enjoy. And then the rest are just cramming in there for, yeah, you tilt there. <laughs> you need like a, like a That's bagel good. sponsor. For real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess would that be a dream sponsor of, uh, that would yeah. be pretty good. There yeah. we go. <laughs> um, another question was on your, like your stance around anti-doping and like even going, going beyond just WADA and, and, uh, you know, thinking like, I want to do it pure, no, whatever, extra vitamins I mean, I or any of this other stuff. Anti-doping well, for, for this of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, going, going above and beyond what, uh, WADA requires and saying, you know, I don't, want to i guess what's the extent like are we talking like even you know so so like no vitamins no pain relievers like ibuprofen like what where do you draw the line there um so i mean it, it's it's tricky because like i am hyper or hypocritical in my own speaking right because like i'm a huge coffee guy right and yeah. i understand that there's caffeine in coffee and that it helps performance. Right. So like, I'll get that out of the way at the start. Um, <laughs> but also my, vitamins and vegetables help performance too. I mean, you, you know, so I'm, I'm so, saying, so yes, yes. Food, definitely food helps performance. Helps. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Food helps performance. Exactly. Yeah. And so I am, I have no issue obviously with people <laughs> eat it. Right? Like, like you, you should, you, and you should eat a lot and you should eat real food. Yep, right. Yep. And I'm, I'm all for that. Oh, here comes my wife. <laughs> um, and, uh, I'm all for that. The, what I ha- start having issues are is when people, 
is when when you look at a product or you look at a <clears throat> fad optimization thing and you're like i'm taking this for its performance benefit right and and you're not looking to say i did these things in training to allow me to run faster i did these things in my recovery to allow me to race and, and train better but on like leading into a race i want to take these supplements or these things to race faster. So it's that a lot of it is that mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for example, like, would I be opposed to somebody eating a lot of beets? No, not at all. But are you taking like hyper processed beets to get the nitrates Mm -hmm. and taking those before a race only to make it so that you can even if it's a placebo and you, it's like in your head thinking I'll be able to race 10 seconds faster. Sure. Right. Right. Which is what the advertising says for yep. it. Right. That I think is not crossing the line, obviously, because there's nothing wrong with that, but that that's the, where I personally start having issues of taking that hyper-processed thing solely for the reason of yeah. racing faster. Do, how, um, how, how, does this apply to like, um, like Norma tech boots and that sort of stuff too. Like, do you, do you avoid those things? No. Cause I mean, not to the same extent, I don't think, because for example, different things that you do, stimuluses you do through training, massage, see that's right. Norma tech, all those sort of things. That's things that you are doing as training, as opposed to I'm saying this pill is going to, even though this pill is basically nothing, right? This pill mm-hmm. could be like by, uh, was a, uh, sodium bicarbonate, right? Which is shown to help, uh, reduce lactic buildup in the early stages of, of exercise. Right. And so <clears throat> taking that pill or taking that supplement, leaning into a race, you're doing it to try to run slightly faster uh, and you're doing it not through your training or through conditioning your body, but by taking not a shortcut, but taking a pill to do it. Right. And so like, that's where I personally start seeing a gray area. Obviously I understand that we've all agreed to raise or to, uh, perform by the water code. Mm -hmm. So in no way am I saying that people who take sodium bicarbonate are doping, right? right? Yeah. I'm just saying that, that's when I start seeing things in my opinion, as I don't want to go to those lines. And so things like a Normatec or these other modalities to help you recover faster. Um, I don't have as much issue with, I do think that most of those are placebo and not actually doing it. And so I don't personally use them, not because I think that they're like cheating, but I don't use them because I don't, think my time is best spent doing that. I think there's better sure. things out there for me to do, such as sleeping more. Yes. Um, yep. And that I would rather see things for what they are as opposed to what manufacturers are telling me they're doing. There is no secret sauce. The secret <laughs> sauce is stressing the body, recovering from that stress, making those yeah. ad- ad- adaptations, and then doing that time after time after time after time. For sure. Um, and so everything else is kind of marketing. 
Um, and some of those things may feel good, but not all those things actually benefit you. Um, mm. And you never want to be in a situation of like, oh, I didn't Normatech today. And so tomorrow my workout's going to be terrible. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's clearly not going to be the case. Yeah. Um, you don't want to have that. And so it's better not to, you know, maybe use that Normatech every now and then because it feels nice, but don't buy into all that hype. See it for what it is. Don't and have say, your yeah. training depend on it. That, and yes, that's, exactly. I, I, always, I always think it's funny when people like, yeah, they spend 30 minutes, the Normatech boots, maybe 30 minutes ice bathing, whatever. And then it's like, but, but did they do strength or do a double run that day? No, they didn't. Right. So it's like, that, yeah. that would have made you faster than, did, yeah. Did they make yeah. sure they ate their vegetables? Exactly. I mean, those things it's, would help. It's like, yeah. okay, you're, you're trying to get the extra 0.1% when you could have got yeah. a one or 2% by just doing something else right. right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. And so like that leads also goes down to, in my opinion, what you're talking about, like vitamins and supplements and stuff, <clears throat> the same theory can go on that as well. Right. So I'm not a big believer in taking a multivitamin because one, most studies have shown that multivitamins don't actually do anything. And yeah, Americans yeah. have like the most expensive urine out there. Yeah, because yeah. They just, just, yep. just peed out. And yep. so I would rather spend my time making sure that I'm eating healthy of real foods and eating vegetables and fruits yep. to make sure I'm getting those vitamins um, and put my energy that way, as opposed to putting my energy into buying this, particular multivitamin and taking that multivitamin. Yeah. So like I see that's where I would put focus on as well. For sure. Um couple closing ones here. Uh favorite ice cream flavor. So I am lactose intolerant. So I do not oh. eat ice cream. Well there we go. Answers that. Oh. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so I will partake in sorbet every now and then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which I'm a big fan of mango sorbet. There but we go. I, I, I'm not a uh, not an ice cream guy. Oh man, good to know. Or at least ice cream is not a Ben fan or <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, it's more, more the reverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, and then favorite way to favorite way to prepare your coffee, like and or what are like some of your favorite beans or go to? I know you're big into the coffee thing, and maybe, yep. maybe you know you're going to open up that coffee shop once you retire eventually. But um, in the meantime, yeah, how are you? Are we like a Chemex person, uh, French or French press? Like how are, how are you making your coffee? I, so I usually do a pour over is what I like. And, um, it depends on the coffee, but I like the, mostly the, I like a Kalita, which is flat bottom brewer, um, and different coffees that I like. Um, I don't know. They're all over. It's like, what, what are you, what are you in the mood for that day? Um, but I like, um, uh, uh, Las Lajas, uh, La Lajas, um, it's a Costa Rican. Um, that's a, they do a very good job with their honey processed and their natural coffees. Um, and it's always very good. Um, this is one farm in Costa Rica. Um, they would always be one that I would look out for. Um, but yeah, it really depends on my mood for the particular day. My personal coffee question is, is there like a, a documentary or series of coffee like i need like a youtube hole to go to of <laughs> of coffee because my yeah. my coworkers make fun of me for just chewing like energy caffeine gum <laughs> um, okay. hey that's yeah you're doping i i, <laughs> see, I, I, I think get that run gum out of your mouth <laughs> i i think that following 
um, Ben's logic. Yeah, I, that's that's. I'm gonna start drinking more. Coffee <laughs> but you're not now. you're not trying to perform necessarily. Oh, but okay, I, anyway, I'm sorry to derail you. Ask your ask your question. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just looking for coffee resources to become more of an adept coffee maker. Yeah, where, where, where do you learn your, your, Yeah, where do you learn about all your different so, coffee tips and so tricks? Like YouTube, like the number one coffee personality on YouTube that actually knows what they're talking about is a guy named James Hoffman. Um, and he's, he's British. Um, he's a former world barista champion. Oh, wow. So there is, there is that type of competition out there. Obviously every, every niche has their competition. (laughs) Um, but he's a pretty noteworthy, um, coffee person in the industry. Um, and he has a YouTube channel that dives into all different types of coffee and it's the way that he explains things is very approachable for both people who are actually into coffee, but people also people who aren't. Um, and he has an accent. So like makes it a little bit easy. Like it's more entertaining. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, so he, he's always, he's always one of the ones to, to look into. Perfect. Perfect. I know what I'm doing this weekend. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, we could, I mean, we could talk to you all day, but uh, conscious of time here, we'll have to let you go. Hopefully we can schedule a follow-up with you uh, down the line and see, check in, see how things are going. And yeah, excited to see what you choose for your next marathon, track race, whatever you end up doing. So best wishes in your training. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on too. Uh, Awesome. Thanks. When are your next competitions? Oh man, um, I'm racing the club cross country, uh, oh, USATF club cross country in oh, Tallahassee. Yeah. yeah, a week from Saturday, so that'll be yeah. a fun little end to my season, and then probably a spring half marathon for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into hibernation, come out with a half, and then hopefully get into one marathon yeah. later. Yeah, the next marathon. Yeah. I'm I'm signed up for Chicago Marathon next fall, so okay. that'll be the next big nice. next big marathon race and. Hopefully, hopefully the Olympic trials qualifying times are actually released by then. So uh, we'll, we'll see if <laughs> they ever. Don't count on it. Yeah, don't seriously, count on it. I know because it's like, all right, that's gonna be my that's gonna be my big go at it. Hope, hoping to run run fast there. So yeah, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Can't bank on anything at this point. But <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Ben. Really appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there was Ben True of Asics of i don't know what what of what else do you, do you put like a, a soft z on the s in asics asics is that how oh, it's yeah. pronounced i say asics asics but it should be asics well i'm i'm just asking asics. as an uninformed well, it, person it's spelled like asics but True. i say asics hmm. isn't that weird they might want to tighten up their branding yeah they <laughs> I, I, it's their fault i mean the Z sound is a great sound to have in marketing the k sound the z sound are I, both uh, i want to know I want to know how Australians would pronounce that. Puma. Puma and maybe Asics. <laughs> maybe maybe Asics. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We got to thank. Uh, well, thank you for tuning into that interview with Ben True. But we got to also shout out some of these some of these beer mile running club Strava folk who are just continuing to kill it. We, we shout out our Strava people that are part of our beer mile Strava group every so often and What's funny is the leaderboard doesn't really ever change. Anna Stotts just uh, she's been at the top for every like single week, <laughs> months. Yeah, so Anna, big shout out to you. Just continuing to make everyone look bad in the entire world. We now have 750 people in this group, and 
Anna is like, if she's not number one, she's always in the top five, throwing down those 90, 100 mile weeks every week. I, I think her her bio, either in that or like her Insta bio is, <laughs> it's like casual 100 mile per week hobby jogger or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> hobby jogger, shut right, the right. Fuck up. <laughs> oh boy. Also give some shout outs here. Ryan Phillips, uh, Want Kudin. He's from Malaysia, I believe. Oh, uh, nice. Ben Lee, Steven Sroka. Um, uh, you want to even give a chance to try at that one? I, I do not even know, speak Russian. I, yeah, I didn't even know that was Russian. I just I think it's knew Russian. I didn't, I didn't recognize Some, it. They got a weird alphabet. Uh, yeah, so those folks, kind of your top uh, leaders on the leaderboard from last week. If we're just going based on distance, I'm, I'm which go, isn't the most We got to go elevation thing. gain. Elevation gain. Oh, oh yeah, a couple of the yeah, heavy hitters go. still want, want Kudin. Ben Lee, Lip Wong, Cecile Flores, and Emil Grunkeist. Emil, uh, beer the good chugger beer miler from uh, Sweden, Norway. What, what do they call his chug? The impossible chug? The impossible yeah. chug. The one that's been reposted like 10 times by drunk time. people's doing things. Drunk yeah. people doing things. Yeah. So join us on the Stravas if you want to, you know, measure up against everyone else. I don't know on what. Uh, get inspired. You yeah. Know? It's really yeah, to get inspired. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's always a nice note for me when I'm like, man, I'm crushing it this week. I've got like, you know, 60, 70 miles this week. And then I look at the leaderboard and I'm like, oh, I'm in like 100th place yeah. on the leaderboard. This <laughs> <Yeah>. is great. <laughs> so thanks for the inspiration, everyone. Um, we didn't drink a beer during the episode this week because, oh, 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 because it was recorded at Elect, uh, well, it's right now. It's eleven fifty a.m. Oh, dude, we should do like what NPR says, where the, like how they intro their today's episode was recorded at, and then they have a fan like send in the. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> well, I do have this beer, um, Adam. You can give it a score if you want. And pretend to drink it, but I actually did drink it and wanted with, to bring it with just Iowa hops, just dude. because it's a sick can. Did you guys I mean, know that Chris grew up in Iowa? Yeah, grew up in Iowa. Uh, this is Iowa Brewing Co's. Is this um? Surf Zombies IPA. I don't think I've ever Maybe even heard Iowa of this place. Hops. Iowa Brewing Co. I hadn't either. Uh, this was in my parents' fridge. And oh, it's an IPA. It's an IPA. So Uh-oh. here's my take on it, though. The reason I actually saved the can and brought it, I wasn't going to, but I saved the can and brought it because it was actually one of the tastier IPAs oh, okay. I've ever had. Uh, it was very hoppy, but... I don't know. Just the the taste was not as unsettling as some IPAs can be to me. Was it like not as bitter? Not. I, I, that was my perception of it. At least on the day, it tasted not quite as bitter. Uh, just very flavorful, very good. Um, I mean, drinkability still like, you know, like a four or something, three or a four. But taste compared to other IPAs, I'm probably going to go with like a nine. Okay. And then, you know, taste overall, give it like a a solid 6.9 ish it's nice yeah. Uh, yeah so it's like a it's like a dinner beer it, it was maybe. yeah okay. yeah i had uh i had it just right before eating a pizza basically nice sipping it on the couch and then ate a pizza um and then the, yeah the graphic design pretty sick as well freaking zombie apocalypse looking guy interesting yeah. yeah i didn't have a beer but i had some solier oh yeah yeah some yeah. uh sparkling water honestly though the lime not my favorite. Not a big lime guy. Lime in general, yeah. I was gonna say any of them. White yeah. Claw, Truly, Ugh. Lacroix. White lime, lime is not really the gross the go to. I'm not, I've never been a margarita proper guy. I've always been like a strawberry margarita or mango margarita or you know something I'll, else. I'll do 
like a, a an OG house Marg if it's in like a hole in the wall place. But like if I'm going to a place yeah. that's known for Margs, uh, yeah, I'm going to get something that's flavored. Right. Yep. Any words of wisdom? Final shout outs? Words of Confessions? wisdom? Confessions? Um, man, I'm kind of... Dude, just... Uh, I don't know. My brain hurts. I feel like before the holiday, well, in between Thanksgiving and when everybody's off for Christmas is like the most busy clusterfuck of all. Yeah, it definitely is. So yep. survive. And then when you're with your families, also survive, survive. in advance, survive in advance. <laughs> <laughs> then Christmas, but then it's the new year and then it's busy. You know, so I don't know. I, my, Christmas is less and less uh, something to look forward to. I feel like as yeah, you get honestly, older, because then you're just like, ah, like I want to enjoy my time off, but then I know what's coming afterwards. I don't give a craziness. Shit. Honestly, like I don't really give a shit about Christmas. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of over it, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. If everyone could just agree in my life to not give each other gifts, yeah. Actually, most of, most of it, mostly we do. My wife and I were just talking about that. Mostly yeah, we do. My, my parents were getting a little bit better about that. Um, but yeah, it's like. I don't just buying something just to buy something. It's like, I would rather just everyone just get together and like, let's just all go out to a really nice dinner together or like, yeah. let's go to a, a basketball game together, you know, like yeah. do, do something together. That's like an we actual did, memory, not just like we did. Um, we did a, like a family, like a, we just have like a Google doc where everyone lists out kind of like a, a bunch of things that they want. And you can kind of pick from it. Okay. And, um, I haven't put anything on there yet because, like, I just like don't really want presents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, th- I think I might put on um, pay for and like be present at my uh, next tattoo session. Oh, there we go. So we'll see, we'll see if that gets purchased. You know, it <laughs> might it might be left on the list. Nice. Uh, my words. Well, for sure. I'll just stick on that theme. Survive. In advance. Survive in advance. Words of wisdom. Enjoy the Christmas music. Enjoy the family time. But uh, don't stress out about buying gifts because don't buy gifts. Nobody's going to freaking remember what gift you bought them five years from now. Anyway. Don't buy I guess gifts. Unless it was something. Super buy bad. NFTs. That's yeah. My, that's yeah, my yeah, words. Buy, buy people so. NFTs. Buy. Uh, I don't know. Buy memories and experiences instead if you can. Yeah, you extract know? memories from other people's brains, like in yeah. in Harry Potter, yeah, and do take that. them away, yeah, do that. sell them, yep, yep, especially like the really meaningful ones, like when they're <laughs> when they're first born. <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a share on Insta or Twitter. We'll retweet you, reshare you. Give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Hit us up on patreoncom beermile Check out Manscaped. Check out All World. That's about it. Live, laugh, love. I was just going to say that. (laughs) 